0: Hello, and welcome to the Cycling Central Tour de France podcast. I'm Philip Gomes, and with me are Jamie Finch, Penninger, and Anthony Tan. Well, Chris Froome confirmed his absolute superiority as he won the uphill time trial from Sal- Salanches to Mégève as he rode 21 seconds faster than Giant Alpeson's Tom Dumala. Um, he significantly increased his lead in the overall rankings, uh, and with two Alpine stages remaining, uh, Bog Kamalama of uh, Trek Segafredo at 3:52, Mates of Orca Bike Exchange at 4:16. The disappointing Nara Quintana at Quintana at 4 minutes 37 and Romain-, Romain Bardet at 4 minutes 57. And of course, Richie Porte had a very good time trial to bring himself into the striking distance of a podium place if the last two stages work out as well as he'd like them to. Still outside of Froome, Porte has looked the strongest over the final final week of racing which Realistically, is answering a lot of questions, uh, a lot of pre-race questions for uh, many of us. Um, Anthony, your thoughts on uh, the outcome of the stage? It appears that it wasn't what many of the riders thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think it was what the course director, Thierry Gouverneau, thought either. He thought the the gaps would be about 20 to 30 seconds. Uh, I saw Froome as good as he was in... You know, uh, last year or 2013, uh, I, you know, I, I said yesterday I thought he would win the stage. Um, Dormelan was a guy I sort of didn't count on being up there because I thought, oh, maybe it's a bit hilly for him, but then... Then again, you know, he almost won the to last year. He's he's been going on and off, you know, saving his legs for certain days, so I guess in that respect it wasn't that surprising. I mean, this is gonna sound a bit harsh, but I thought Richie could have gone a bit better actually, because if you look at past hill climb time trials he's done, the twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen Parry Nice on the Cold Days, it's uphill time trial around nine kilometres or so, uh, and then uh, this year at the Dauphiné, they did something very unusual. The The uphill time trial, just four kilometres long to Leger, he actually beat Froome there. So uh, really, for me, I think what it says is that he, he's, he's really good in this third week, but don't expect him to do anything crazy in these next two days in the mountains.
2: Yeah, I was going into that time trial thinking, oh, everyone's going to be using road bikes, but then once... Once I think everyone got to the stage and had a look at it, they're like, oh, well, it's actually, you know, a bit flatter and there's sections that we can make up time on if we go the full TT kit, which is what um, Dumoulin and Froome did, and it worked perfectly for those two. They finished up top two, and the guys who kind of went half-half or put aero bars on their road bikes and stuff like that, that didn't work out so well. So, yeah, it ended up being a bit more of a time trial than, you know, just a pure climb, and I don't think that advantage richie because he didn't go the full tt kit like the others
1: yeah i i so i have to say i i sort of don't agree with that jamie because um i think as robbie said after sage i don't think it mattered what kit you chose it's it's whether you've got the legs and in this so deep into the tour de France uh You know, you you just got to go with what you're comfortable with. I mean, a lot of riders would be very uncomfortable using the disc wheel. You saw how sketchy that descent was uh, into Mejev. So I, I wouldn't recommend that if you're not a superb bike handler. And then because of the amount of climbing, so I think it was a... You know, it's one of those 50-50 things. How how do you set up your TT bike? I think it just came down to legs. I'll probably have to say, you know, the reason why I said that Richie could have done better is because Aru finished on the same time and surely Richie is a better time trial not just a time trialist, but a, um, you know, a, a Grand Tour type of... I mean, Aru is a, a Grand Tour type of rider, but I just thought Richie could have done... Better. I thought that that time trial was just made for him.
0: Uh, but a lot of it comes down to how you tackle because th- that time trial was actually made up of very specific sections. So it depends on how you tackle each one of those sections, where you where you apply effort, where you dose your effort. Mm.
2: Um, well, Richie was first up the first section yeah. um, on the first time check. That the, the
0: hardest the, climb. He won the, the Bernard Hino award. How much, how much was that again? I've got no 5, idea. 5,000 euros, euros.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was not like he blew himself mm-hmm. to, to get it. It's uh, That was the part of the course that suited. You, you saw the guys also in the downhill. They weren't pedalling. It was too fast. I mean, I think the guy who clocked up the fastest speed from what I saw was Moloma. Um, he was doing about 83 kilometers an hour down there. So uh, the, the time wasn't made up there. It was actually the time was... Where it was gained, if you look at where Froome was at the first check and then where he made up the time, was after the the Col de Domancy, You know that very difficult two and a half kilometers at around nine percent. So, you know he pretty much throttled it from that point onwards.
0: Um, I was going to mention Maharu, but we obviously got there because he, you know, he did in, in the end have a pretty decent uh, decent tra- time trial for him. Uh, <laughs> the other guys, well, I guess I guess we need to talk about Quintana, Quintana um, to some degree, because while we don't expect him to perform tremendously well in, in, in time trials, he's shown over the last few years that uh, he's minimized that as a liability, and certainly many of us would have thought that coming into a stage like this one, it would not be that much, as uh, much less of a liability. In fact, it, it would have been the kind of stage where we thought he could perform, but um, he just seems to have uh, kind of really dropped off just... Lost interest.
2: I think part of that is the expectations we have for Nairo. I mean, we expect him to be, you know, a tour winner. And it just hasn't quite looked that way this this year. Uh, unfortunately, th- the power hasn't quite been there. The endurance hasn't quite been there. And he's been a bit puzzled by it himself after the stage today. He said maybe it's allergies, maybe it's something in the air. I mean, it's. I think he's a product of his own, you know, own good performance in the past. And. And maybe something unknown as well, which is just taking a little bit away.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to add because I don't know what's up with him. Uh, I don't really want to speculate. We just haven't seen a guy who's who, who rode how he did in 2013 or fifteen. I just see a guy who's making up uh, quite a few excuses and also complaining about things like like i said the state of montpellier was very unusual to whinge about the conditions because he's not that type of guy but you know if you look at where he was after that second rest day you know he was around three minutes behind and you know he he was really at that point uh i think in 2000 last year as well in the 2015 tour so but you know he obviously lost that time early on last year but this time really his team's been superb I I think he's he's the one who's let the teammates down if you like
0: yeah it's weird because it's almost like a flip on what happened last year where Froome was showing some weakness in the final week and he was showing strength and this year it's the other other way around Froome has obviously done a lot of work to 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 kind of establish uh, uh, some strength in the final week and Quintana's the one who looks like he's he's dropping off. It's just absolutely fascinating. One of the things we talked about uh, today, um, this morning, Jamie, was uh, looking back on on all that's happened up until this point. And I know we still have two, two major stages to come. This race, I'm thinking it's really missing uh, Bert, Alberto Contador. Somebody to light something up.
2: Bertie, come back, please. Uh, yeah... I was, covering this, I was covering the SBS Twitter and um, social the other night on the Wednesday stage, and people on Twitter were crying out, please attack, please attack, please attack. And, you know, if you have Contador there, you don't have that problem because you know that if he is down, he will attack. He's that hell-bent on just... And bloody-minded as well. He, he just never gives up, even when he's got, you know, basically no shot at winning. He just keeps on going and going. So... I think we've missed that this year. We haven't had anyone really decide, yes, I'm just going to put it all out there if I crash and burn, whatever. But, um, yes, we've missed that attacking.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a theory on that. It's One, it's because his age, I think he's, it's quite uh, clear that he's past his best. Secondly, when you've won or three Grand Tours, you, you can throw caution to the wind. I mean, these guys, I said it yesterday... They haven't been in this position before. You look at Molina Yates. Um, you know, Port hasn't been in this position. Barde has. He's finished sixth and ninth previously. Um, Valverde's riding for Quintana. Uh, Menkes is doing an excellent ride. He did a great TT, I thought, last night. So, you know, th- these guys do have a lot to lose. Contador has less.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting interesting possibility though that um, that we may uh, we may have missed him. Uh, there were there were obviously yes, there were some um, some strong performances on uh, on stage eighteen, and I guess you mentioned Menches. Uh another rider we talked about uh, this morning was uh, Sebastian uh, Reichenbach, um, who looks like he's on a good tour, some promising for the future as well.
2: Poor old Reichenbach, he's stuck in limbo in thirteenth spot. He <laughs> yeah. He's about five minutes um, up on. Up on fourteenth and five minutes down on um thir- on twelfth, so he's going to be stuck in thirteenth by the end of the tour. Unfortunately,
0: it, it's an interesting tour in a way too because there's certain riders that um that are actually already taking hope, uh, taking a lot away and looking next year. Looking at next year, uh, we've seen Richie Port comment uh, today that the entire result in the last week has given him. He's really looking forward to next year. Uh, we saw the same thing with Dan Martin, uh, for example, in his post race interviews where. Even though he's in 10th place overall, he may even move up a little bit more. So there's some guys who are really – they've got a bit of a sniff and they're just kind of thinking, hey, this this, this caper is not so bad for me. I can yeah, do this.
1: I, I quite like the way Dan Martin I, – I mean, if you talk about a guy who likes attacking on a whim, that's him. Uh, so if, if – if we do conceivably see something like that, then perhaps he's he's one to do that. I, I think, yeah, I mean, if you look at the way, say, you contrast the way that Daniel Martin's riding versus Yates, I mean, Yates is often sitting at the back of the group and Martin's trying to make moves, but then consequently it's sort of lost him a bit of time, although he's lost a fair chunk of that or the majority of that in the, the two time trials. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... Uh, you know, these next two stages, I mean, don't don't just expect Froome to crack because, like you said, Phil, he's he's prepared perfectly. He's been flawless and he's only just looking stronger. At first I thought he was maybe not as good as he was, say, last year. That's why he was making those risky moves in the first nine days. But now it's, I realise it's just a sign of supreme
2: confidence. Anything to add to that, Jamie? Um, no apart from the fact that we'll see him on the top step in paris uh, get used to it up there and i don't i will say something i don't know why people dislike him so much no. he's been he's been the rider of this tour who has created the interest he's created um he's gone on the attack twice on stages where you wouldn't expect him to he's been the supreme climber he's been the supreme time trialist i, I just don't understand people who dislike him sure maybe you'd you'd like to see somebody else up there but He's been a champion and very modest and humble about it as well.
0: Yeah, I think he's he's been pretty pretty decent about everything. I mean, the guy sits there and just cops all sorts of abuse, one because it's a sky a sky bias. Obviously, there's a legacy in professional cycling um, that still exists that we haven't moved past. And he's he's that guy who came pretty much straight after to dominate, uh, dominate Grand Tours, in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you speak to... I mean, I've just seen the conversation from the reporters on the ground. I mean, also having been on the ground at the tour, you know, the guy's going through about an hour and a half worth of questions after the stage. It's a heck of a lot. He's...
0: The things you don't see He's
1: led the tour for a long time. He did so in 2013-15. Okay, it comes with wearing the Maya jaune, but at the, the same time, he hasn't... I noticed he hasn't... See, he said he hasn't had as many doping questions as this year, and one guy did ask him a question after Dave McKenzie, and he pretty much says, well, how... I I don't think I can be accused of doping when uh, you know a number of my moves were made downhill. Yeah, and then he walked off after that.
0: Yeah, and of course you know t- cycling now exists. As the way I the way I put it is uh, is that um, the cycling is exists in a different context today uh, because of all that's happened with um, with doping in other sports around the world, and uh, you know in many ways cycling has been doing the hard yards for a long long time in terms of cleaning itself up, and. In fact, it probably is the cleanest sport around compared to so many others. So
1: yeah, you, you actually—it's—it's it's good you mentioned that because uh, I think people have to get used to this style of racing because the style of racing, if you want to see in the nineties, two thousands, early to mid two thousands, was fake. Uh, so this is this is real. This is how this is done. You know. Un- well, fortunately or unfortunately, the way you want to look at it, it's done based on science and, um, you know, you've got guys like Tim Kerrison who said, you know, that they, they, they need to ride at a certain wattage for whatever to chase someone down. Uh, they, they use this rotational policy. That's why, you know, Poles and uh, Landa Hanau, they were rested, so they are good in this third week. That's why you're seeing them so strong, so... I mean, it's up for other teams to replicate, and to some extent they've done that, such as uh, Lotto and y- Yumbo and Movistar as well.
0: But we're still dealing, Jamie, with um, with a big uh, discrepancy in terms of budget. Uh, this is something that's coming up a lot now uh, that we're seeing across social media and other discussions is the fact that Sky has the ability financially to buy the best riders. And I think it was someone who said um, on Twitter, someone I follow on Twitter said that um, it's no surprise really They've, got, they've managed to buy the best riders and the best riders performing at their best.
2: Well, part of that is that the riders go there and they continue to perform well or get better. Mm-hmm. I, I think that helps um, a lot of their talent retention and talent recruitment because they can say, okay, this is the sort of results we get and if you get your chance, then we'll work for you to you know, win a Grand Tour or whatever the, whatever the aim is. And I think we've seen guys like Wout Pools, I mean, he won Liege Best on Liege this year. So they... They will get their chance, um, but they have to work as top lieutenants for Chris Froome in the tour.
0: Yeah, and uh, to be quite fair to Froome as well, uh, he's really helped himself in a way that uh, has taken the pressure off the team, uh, I think, that they really haven't had to do as much this year as they would in maybe previous years.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, let's say if Froome had the team that star had or Tinkov had, would he still be in this position? Probably. He's pretty damn good. He's pretty damn good. Uh, ma- maybe we should just... Lord his uh, performances, rather than say it's boring. If you if you want to see a really exciting race, you probably should have watched the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, but
0: that's gone. now. That's right. So. Well, let's look look ahead, and we may get a chance to see Froome again tonight. Who knows what? Who knows how he feels? Um, tonight's stage uh, is a big one as well. Uh, we've got uh, lots of climbs. Uh, we have an HC climb in the middle, and it finishes off with a mountain top uh, category one. Uh, it runs from Alberville to uh, Mont Blanc, uh, 146 uh, kilometres, 5,511 metres of climbing. And there is one intermediate sprint, but really, who cares? Uh, thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, well, it's good that they don't have to go all the way to the top of Mont Blanc because the top of Mont Blanc is 4,000, some 4,800 metres high. So they're going to this uh, place on Mont Blanc called Le Betex, which is only... only uh, 1300 or 1400 metres high. So it's about, it's 9.8 kilometres at 8%. Still really difficult. I I think, uh, don't expect too many long range attacks unless they are got a bit going a bit crazy as uh, Sagan would say, because from the top of the penultimate climb to the, uh, through the valley, you know, it's 40 kilometres to the base of the final climb. So you got to be pretty mad to do that. I think what you'll see is Richie will probably go earlier, as Froome uh, said in an interview to SBS. Richie needs to make some big moves if he wants if he wants to finish on the podium, because you've got second to seventh place separated by seventy six seconds, and they pretty much want to finish on the podium too. It's not a fail complet.
0: Yeah. Final comments on um, on tonight's stage? Uh, it's going to be a breakaway win. Who,
2: who that will be is up to question. Um, I've got no idea. I'll pick out a name from my head. Let's go
0: Jan Polank. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's, he's the new Rui Costa, by the way. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rui's still in there,
2: Jamie. Why, why? I, I lo- didn't, did you see him on stage 16 go out the front? And he was great there. He, he, whilst, whilst everyone was railing it back in the peloton, he was sticking out the front. He was doing about 55Ks an hour.
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, we've seen Micah and Pantano and the Zacharin. and I, I think those got one of those guys. I think Micah is getting a little miffed at either whether Pantano wins or Zacharin. I think for me, this is a, a good one for him. Uh, he's he's got the polka dot jersey wrapped up. I think he. Wants a stage. Obviously, he wants a stage, not for himself, but for for all league.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one uh, just because of the heartstrings. Because I watched Adam Hansen's interview today, which was terrific. It's on the site, and he was talking about how disappointed uh, Lotto Sudal are with their overall um, race this year. And uh, he felt he hasn't had a good tour. He's he's talked about uh, missing a number of breaks that he should have been in, or getting in breaks that were the wrong breaks. Uh, so I'm gonna call one for Adam Hansen. I know it's a long shot, but come on, Adam, you can do it. We're behind you. Um, Tonight, you can watch the stage starting from the super early time, 8.30 p.m. on SBS. Check your guides for the rest of the country because it will be early. And don't forget to fire up the Skoda Tour Tracker uh, suite of apps as well. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.